How many people in this room would be honest with me and say you've ever made a dumb financial decision? Okay, few of you. How many drove your dumb financial decision to church today? <laughs> we've all made dumb financial decisions. We've made, we've all made bad financial choices, and most of the time it's because we are not trusting God with our finances. Let's look back at Proverbs 3, verse 5. I want to read through that again and let it just soak in a little bit to your heart this morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh. Strengthen your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Honor the Lord with your possessions. In verse 9, it's the Hebrew word, Home. H O N. So I say home. Okay? Got a room full of Bible studies. Home means wealth. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't have any wealth. Yes, you do. Because wealth in the biblical perspective is not what we wish we had. Wealth is what God has placed in our hands. We all have wealth. And I'll prove to you today that you are wealthy. How many of you have ever spent more than $2 on a cup of coffee or a sweet tea? Okay. If you've done that, you are filthy rich. Because over half of the world's population lives off of less than $2 a day. According to research, people who live in the level of poverty, poverty level in the United States, are in the top 20% of the wealthiest people on planet Earth. If you're living at the average income level in the United States, you're in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. You are more blessed than you think you are. Wealth is not what you want. It's not what other people have. Wealth is what you have. Bible says, honor God with what you have. Let's keep reading verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. What are the first fruits? The first fruits are the first 10% of your income. That's where we started this series in week one. God comes first. Somebody say, God comes first. That's why we took up the altar before our priest, because y'all can't stand after the night. The first fruits of your increase is the first 10% of all that God gives you. We are to honor the Lord with that. Was tithing in the Old Testament law? Of course it was. But tithing is not just an Old Testament law. It is a biblical principle. Think about it. Abraham. We call him Father Abraham, right? The, the father of our faith. He, he tithed long before the law was ever given hundreds of years before the law of Moses. And really, it goes back further than Abraham. It goes back to the very beginning with Cain and Abel. Tithing has always been a part of man's relationship with God. We talked about this. We talked about how Abel gave the first of his flock, but Cain, in the process of time, gave some of his crops. Abel gave God his first when Cain got, gave God something. Tithing goes back to the beginning. It's part of worship. It honors God. It's putting our Creator first. Abraham did it. The elders of Israel did it. It was commanded in the law of Moses. By the way, who gave Moses that law? God. How many of y'all would tithe if Jesus said you ought to tithe? 
you are. Okay, five of you. All right. Got work to do. Matthew 23, 23. Jesus said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He said, in other words, your priority should be justice and mercy and faithfulness. You ought to tithe too. And according to Jesus, tithing is a minor thing. It's entry-level obedience. How about that? Look back at Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with all the first fruits of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. There is a blessing that comes when you honor God with your finances. Again, we talked about that last week. I, I, I dare you to check out the podcast or Facebook or YouTube, but we talked about going from the bag mindset, a bag full of holes that you never have enough, to the basket mindset where God blesses you to be a blessing to others. And eventually, if you're faithful with the basket, going into the barn mindset that God has given me more than enough that I want to be a significant blessing to those around me. It's something I hear a lot. Oh, Pastor, I can't tithe, but maybe if God gives me more, then I'll tithe. <laughs> Listen to me. No, you won't. You will not do it. And if that offends you, you're welcome because this is the truth. God wants to bless you, but you've got to get rid of your stinking thinking. Because if you're not faithful with what you have right now, you won't be faithful with more. Let me tell you the best time to start a diet. Tomorrow. Because if I start my diet tomorrow, I can eat anything I want to today. I get that double cheeseburger with the side of cheeseburgers. <laughs> Hello. I get that french fry dipped in bacon grease. Amen. <laughs> Bring it on, baby. If I start tomorrow, I can eat whatever I want to today, but that's not how God operates. Obedience does not start tomorrow. It starts today, right now. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Not tomorrow, not one day, today. If you don't honor God today, you won't honor Him tomorrow. Money is the most unsurrendered part of most people's Lives. I think about the great evangelist John Wesley when he went about preaching all throughout the nation. He would go in and he would win souls to Christ and he would start a church and then he would go win more souls to Christ in another community and start another church and he would go back and visit these young churches that were growing. He would ask them, Has your faith reached your wallet yet? He understood that that's very often an unsurrendered area to Jesus. It's one of the most unsurrendered parts of most people's lives, and it's also one of the most out-of-control areas in people's lives. And the two are connected. Until God is in control, things will be out of control. The truth is, God can do more in your life with 90% you could do with 100%. And some of y'all know that that's true. God can do more when you put Him first and honor Him. He'll bless the rest. You could have $10 million and it would go and you wouldn't know where it went. 
God can do more with 90 than you can do with 100. Jesus said, where your money is, that's where your heart will be also. In other words, how you spend your money is an indication of what you worship. On Wednesday nights, we've been doing this fun exercise. We've been going through a, a fake bank statement, and we're going through talking about budget and how to save money and how to help this poor girl. His name, her name is Jen R. Rayson. Okay. We've been trying to save her some money, but we've been going through her, her bank account, her bank statement. But listen, if I sit down with you and I go through your bank account and your bank statement, are there going to be some idols in there? Are you putting God first? Or are you putting all these other things ahead of Him? Because He said, "You shall have no other gods before Me." Jesus said, "Where your money is, that's where your heart is." Jesus said, "Don't blame me. Look at the Bible. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says." How you spend your money is an indication of what you worship, and it's what I call the blessed test. Come on, help me. Come on, tell somebody. Look at somebody. Tell them it's the blessed test. I'll never forget one day I walked into geology class at Carolina Chapel Hill. I walked into class and the professor said, uh, Is everyone ready for the test? I said, What test? <laughs> Some of you don't even know that you're being tested, but you are. With every blessing comes testing. Come on, y'all, help me come up. Tell somebody with every blessing comes testing. Every time God blesses you, He will test you to see, are you going to be faithful with what I just gave you? When God blesses you financially, this is the test He'll give you. Will you love money or you love me? Will you trust money or will you trust in me? Luke 16.10, Jesus said, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. God is not looking to bless people who say, I'll tithe one day when I got more money. God is looking for the people who are sacrificing, who are thankful where they are to give them more. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with foolishness? I know money is a tough subject to talk about in church, and sometimes this is tougher than the Hot Topic series we just came out of, and, and there's a reason that it's such a difficult topic. Most of us, I'm talking about people in this room, most of us are not tempted to walk out of the church today and go worship the devil. Most of us are not tempted to leave here today and start praying the Mecca. Assalamu alaikum. Most of us are not tempted to go out of here today and start chanting Hare Hare Krishna. Most of us are not. That's not an issue. But let me tell you where the majority of the people in our culture struggle. The number one threat to your relationship with God is not Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Tom Cruise, or Oprah. It's very likely that the number one threat to your relationship with God is the love of money. There's a reason Jesus called the love of money the root of all evil. And here's the test that we all have to take, including me, every one of us. This is the test we have to take. Will I love God or will I love money? God's number one competitor in most people's lives is money. 
It's not a new thing. It's not an American thing. It's a very, very, very old problem. Why is money such an issue? Because money is a counterfeit God. Money will lie to you, won't it? Money will promise you things that only God can give you. Money says, I'll keep you safe. But Psalm 46.1 says, the Lord is our refuge and strength. Money says, I'll give you freedom. But 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Money will offer you power, but Jesus said, all power and all authority belong to me. Money says, if you have enough of me, you can do anything. But Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Why is money an issue? Because money is a counterfeit God. Matthew 6.24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You tell me that you serve God, but what does your money say? You tell me that you love Jesus, but what does your money say about that? You see, you're telling me that you belong to God, but your money's up there saying, No, no, he belongs to me. He's mine. Some of you say you believe in God, but you're a financial atheist. You look at how you manage your finances and your possessions, and, and God's nowhere in that. There's no tithing. There's no generosity. There's no compassion for your fellow man. You claim to believe in God, but why is there no evidence of God? And the blessing that God has given you. Jesus is Lord of your life. Where's the heart of generosity that Jesus has called us to? Money is a counterfeit God, and it will keep the Word of God from working in your life. Jesus said that. Jesus said the deceitfulness of riches will choke out the, God, the Word of God. Mark 4 19, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Enter again, choke the Word, and it becomes unfruitful. If you wonder why the Word of God is not working in your life, examine yourself. Ask yourself, am I honoring God with my possessions? My first real job out of college was working at a bank. I had some unreal jobs. One of two, three jobs, making pennies. My first real job was at a bank. And before I ever started working at the regional office, before I ever worked at the commercial loan department, they started me out on the teller line. Well, it was fun, too. My first week on the job, we had just bought our first house for $70,000. And boy, my first day on the job, I was moving $70,000 into the mall. I'm like, yeah, buddy, how far is Mexico? <laughs> started speaking to tell you, I'm like, <laughs> Just kidding. But really, after months and months and months of working with $100 bills all day, one day I was doing a commercial deposit and I was counting it out. And I stopped and said, wait a minute. Something's wrong with this thing. I didn't even have to mark it with a pen. I just, I knew that something, it looked like a regular $100 bill, it even felt like a regular $100 bill, but we checked it, it was counterfeit. How did I know that it was counterfeit? Because I spent so much time around the real thing. Hello. Money is a counterfeit God. 
Money will lie to you. It will deceive you. But when you make up your mind, when you wake up in the morning, when you lay down your head at night, I am going to serve God. Jesus is Lord of my life. When you walk with the Lord and talk with the Lord and daily surrender to Him, you'll learn to recognize the hold that money and materialism tries to take in your life. Hello. Money's a counterfeit God. It, it will promise you things that it cannot deliver you. Money can give you a lot of stuff, but only Jesus can give you peace of mind. Money can pay your medical bills, but only Jesus can heal you. Money can buy you a nice bed, but money can't raise you up out of your deathbed. Hello. Money can buy your kids a car, but only Jesus can keep them safe while they drive. Maybe say, Pastor, I don't love money. I like it. But the Bible gives us a warning sign for those who love money. And here's how you can tell the difference. Look with me to Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says this, a very wise scripture. It says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. One of the morning signs that you love money is that no matter how much you have, it's not enough. In a world where more than 3 billion people live off of less than $2 a day, we live in a filthy rich nation of people who never have enough of anything. Proverbs 11, 24, you know this verse. It says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Remember how Jesus said you can't serve God in money? God will test you in this. He will bring you to the place where you have to make a decision. In this situation, will I obey God? Will I obey money? Money says, don't give me away because you'll never have enough of me. God says, honor me with your first fruits and I'll give you more than that. Tithing is one of the most obvious ways that God will test you to see if he's really first place in your life. And of a pastor in Oklahoma City, he, he had a church member who was faithful in attending, faithful in serving, faithful in giving to God. A year. And God blessed him. He was faithful. God blessed him. God blessed him. God blessed him. Before you know it, he was making $5 million a year in his business. And he talked to the pastor. He said, Pastor, I... I just want to throw it when I go to write a contact on that. I just can't, I can't bring myself to give. Will you pray for me? And the pastor laid his hands on him right there in the sanctuary. He said, Lord, reduce his income to the point where he can obey you again. He said, oh, oh no, Pastor, no. <laughs> it's not about the amount of money. It's about the condition of your heart. Hello. <laughs> With every blessing, there will be testing. You've got to be ready for it. Come on, tell somebody, if you want to be blessed, you've got to pass the test. People say, all the church wants is my money. No, all Walmart wants is your money. We'll be fine whether you give or not. <laughs> I heard about a little church in Texas. I got a phone call one morning, and the secretary answered the phone, and, and he said, I want to speak to the head hog at the trough. The secretary said, sir? Are you referring to our pastor? 
He said, yeah, head home. Let me, let me talk to him. She said, sir, I must insist you're talking about a man of God. I insist that you call him pastor. He said, look, I don't have all day. I want to donate $100,000 to the church. You're going to let me talk to the head hog or not? She said, hold on. I think Porky just walked in. Tithing is not about the church getting your money. It's about God having your heart. And if you're visiting today and you go to another church, don't tithe to us. You tithe to your local church because you don't go to the drive-thru at Burger King and then go pay at McDonald's, right? You bring your tithes into the storehouse, the place where you're fed. There's nothing wrong with giving to other ministries, but the tithe belongs to your local church. I know you're getting nervous. I'm almost done. It's going to be, look at somebody say, it's going to be okay. Okay? You're going to be eating food in just a few minutes. Just food. Just think about that. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> But here's a verse that will change the way you look at money. And really, it will change the way you look at everything. Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof the world, and they that dwell therein. Nothing on this planet really belongs to you. You came into this world with nothing, you're going to leave this world with nothing. I have never seen a hearse pulling a trailer full of stuff. You cannot take it with you. It doesn't belong to you anyway. It all belongs to God. So when we tithe, we're not giving away something that belongs to us. We're giving back to God something that's already His. Think about when I first got a job, I got a car. Well, I was so excited with my newfound freedom. I took my brother into town, and we we got a Big Mac and some French fries. Oh, those were the days. And I reached over to his plate to get a French fry. He said, no, man, get your own fries. Oh, the spirit of slap started flowing in my arm. What you mean get your own fries? I paid for those French fries. Isn't that the attitude we have with God so many times? He gives us everything we have. And all the asses were forcing back. Amen. I was the Lord of the fries. <laughs> He's the Lord of all. God has blessed us with all that, we have, all that we have, and He only asks for a small portion back to support the work of ministry. If you want to know the truth of it, there are Christians driving around in stolen cars, wearing stolen watches, watching stolen TVs. And if that statement makes you mad, let me just point out that God's the one who says that. Malachi 3, verse 7 says, From the days of our fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances. You've not kept them. Return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you have said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. You say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. In this scripture, we see a strong rebuke, rebuke and a powerful blessing. Not only will God test you when it comes to money, but this is the only time in the entire Bible that I've ever seen where God says, test me. I'm going to test you. You put me to the test. 
You can try me in this. You can test me, says God. You can put him to the test, and he will be faithful to his promise. I can tell you, my wife and I, we've had a lot. We've had very little. We've had a big bank account. We've said, oh, help me, Jesus. <laughs> Man, she ought not live by bread alone, or maybe not bread at all. <laughs> but in 18 years, God has brought us through so much. Through loss of income, through market crashes, through tragedy, through a loss of a job, through a stroke from a brain aneurysm, from surgery, from medical bills. And I want to say we've been able to trust God through every bit of it. Why? Because we tested God. He tested us, and we tested Him. And God has been faithful, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it, we couldn't figure it out, even when there were times we definitely could not lean not on our own understanding. God was faithful. God is faithful to His Word and faithful to His promise. If you'll surrender control to Him, He will sustain you. How do we learn to trust God? It started with tithing. It's entry level. It's the most basic thing because some of you, you know it. If you can give God your money, you give Him everything. Tithing teaches you to trust in God and not your own resources. Again, it's not a money thing, it's a heart thing. God cares a lot more about your heart than He does about money. But guess what? If your heart's in the right place, your money will be too. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. I've talked about finances. I've talked about resources. Let me talk about something that really matters. I'm going to take a quick survey this morning. I want everybody to be honest with me, okay? This is a safe place. If nobody's watching except you, me, Facebook Live, and YouTube Live, okay? <laughs> It's just, it's just us and the internet, okay? But I want to ask you to be bold and be honest with me this morning. How many of you have ever driven over the speed limit before in your life? Okay, all right. Yeah, we got some Richard Petty's and Ricky Bobby's in the house today. Thank you for being honest with me. I'll be honest with me again. How many of you, maybe it, maybe when it was a, you were a kid, maybe you took a pen at the bank, but how many of you have ever taken something that didn't belong to you? Anybody? Okay. All right. Ushers? Watch them next time we take up the offering. <laughs> last question, okay? Last question. How many of you in any way have ever told a lie? Okay? I want to ask everybody who answered any question, any of those questions, if you answered yes, will you just put your hand back up for a few seconds? Go on, guys, look around. We got a room full of rule breakers in the house today. Okay? <laughs> We've all failed in some way. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us, we have sinned in some capacity. But here's the wonderful thing about God. Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. You see, because God is holy and God is pure, we disqualify ourselves through sin. We're not able to save ourselves, no matter how much we try to right all the wrongs we've ever done. No matter, we, we can't give enough money to the church to be saved. It doesn't work that way. We cannot save ourselves, but God in His infinite love and mercy gives us the free gift of salvation. 
Let me tell you what it means to be a Christian. Being a Christian doesn't, it's not just saying, dear God, I don't want to go to hell. Amen. Being a Christian is saying, Jesus be the Lord of my life. Jesus be the Lord of my life. And I want to ask you this morning, are you trusting God with your life? Trust Him today. You will not be disappointed. Listen, Christianity is an invitation to walk with Jesus. It's not just about where we're going. It's not just about getting to heaven. It's about life right here, right now. Are you trusting God with your whole life? Will you stand with me this morning as we pray? And I want to ask the praise team to come, but will you stand and just close your eyes for a moment here in God's presence and allow the Holy Spirit to deal with your heart today?
for the cars that we drive, Father, for our children, for the animals that you bless us with to see. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for this church. Because of your faithfulness, God, that every week we're able to send food home to families that need it. That we're able to support missionaries in other countries. That we're able to touch the community in ways, God, that people don't even know. And Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you that as we remain faithful and as we keep our eyes set on you, that we are going to continue to be a blessing, that we're going to continue to be even more of a blessing every week. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we give you glory. And God, we give you honor, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If God has been faithful to you, let's just give him a moment of praise. Let's just thank him for the many blessings that he has given us, for the family, for the fields he has but you know, the, the biggest miracle of all was when Jesus got on the cross. You know, just like Josh said earlier, you can have a million dollars in a bank account, but guess what? I'm trying to get you to heaven. It's not, God does not consult your bank account to open the gates of heaven for you to come in. You can have a penny in the bank. And because you gave, and you, you gave your life to Christ, God says, come in. Come on in, you faithful servant. Because you served me. Because you loved me. Enter into my kingdom. So this morning, if you have not given your life to Christ, I encourage you this morning, or if you're finding yourself in a bleak place, and you say, I need God with it. I can't go on another day without him. This morning is your day to know that if you were to walk out of here and it was your last moment, that you would meet him with arms wide open. So this morning I'm going to ask that we bow our heads and you say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you to be my Savior. I believe in you. God, save me. Set me free. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. And with your help, I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just praise God one last time.